Hey, what up, Long Beach? We're back with another bi-weekly episode of the LB Fee Show. As always, this conversation about Long Beach State Athletics is hosted by the 562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler, and one of the other small pictures on my computer screen. He's Mike Artabasio. I'm sick of it. <laughs> We've reached that point. I think every episode, I, I'm slightly less uh, willing to put up with being on Zoom all the time. But uh, I've definitely, I've reached a bottom at some point. Hopefully, it's a V-shaped recovery. Uh, joining us, as always, for this bi-weekly conversation, Long Beach State Athletic Director Andy Fee. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, having me, as always. And I'm going to hijack right here, just based upon the sentiment, which I share as well around the Zoom calls, <laughs> which, are, which are great. You know, don't get me wrong. We're getting things done. But... I am actually, listen to this, this, this crazy idea. I'm actually floating with my staff that we go to what I'm going to call dark Wednesdays, which means no Zoom meetings at all. So we're still working. You can send an email. You can even make a phone call, but no Zoom meetings at any point <laughs> during Approved. the day on Wednesday. Approved and unanimously. I, I, I think I'm not going to have too much pushback from my staff, so, uh, but, but otherwise, great to see you guys via Zoom. Yeah, it is good to see you too. Hopefully soon we will all be able to be in the same room together, but that's actually what we're talking about uh, this week on the show is how academics has continued without being in the same room together. We're going to have some special guests from the Bickerstaff Academic Center come on and talk about that, and it's kind of a good time to talk about it too because Andy, I think one of the first episodes we did of the LBF show, I asked you what your favorite part of the job was. And without hesitation, you said graduation. And this week would have been feeling that, that flow of finals being over, graduation stuff getting going, people walking around campus taking pictures and stuff. It, it's got to hurt a little bit more this week that you're, uh, you're not able to take advantage of your favorite part of the job and shake some hands as they walk across those stages. Yeah, you know, it, uh, for me, it's an absolute uh, honor and a blast. Um, the honor comes from President Conley allowing uh, me to sit up on the dais as part of the, uh, the commencement party, um, to sit amongst the faculty, the deans, uh, and to watch not just our student athletes, but students walk across that stage and just see how excited they are. And then especially when, you know, one of those student athletes is walking up to uh, President Conley. And, uh, you know, it just makes you proud um, to be a part of something as special as this and, and really excited for um, what really is the, the culminating chapter of their time here at Long Beach State as students, at least. And uh, when you do not have that opportunity, uh, it's disappointing. You know, it is, it is what it is, but, um, you know, it is bittersweet. Um, as we know, we've got graduating seniors right now who are go on and do great things, but we don't get to celebrate amongst ourselves. And, uh, you know, as I said, I love commencement, love graduation, and uh, it is definitely bittersweet this year. Um, when people ask JJ and I what the things we love about our job are, the, the one thing that is such a boring answer, I never say it, but that I've been thinking a lot about the last couple of weeks is um, I love working around school sports because they end. Like, and I, Andy, I think I know, I know you and your wife like to take a vacation in the summer. And so I think you guys have the same feeling, but it's like, you get to this late May period and you're closing a book and you're putting it on the shelf and it's a time to take a big deep breath and have some reflection, think about the next year and then have some space in between. And yeah, I just feel like psychologically, 
I, I, it's going to be hard for me to feel that way. You know what I mean? Like, because we didn't get all of those rituals, graduation obviously being the most important part of them. But even to be honest with you, we lived, we lived uh, right by the school for a number of years, even like um, traffic disappearing, you know, I mean, it's like the parking lots are already empty. So I'm not going to feel that, oh, this is so nice. The parking lots are empty. Like, it's just very weird. It feels like the year sort of got broken in half and um, chucked in the trash can or something, you know, and I, <laughs> I know they're doing everything they can to make the graduation um, special, even though it's going to be virtual and everything. But I don't know, it's, it's definitely a, a feeling I've never experienced before. Yeah, it's, you know, I think now, and you said rituals, rituals are important. And I don't think I ever really understood the true value and importance of those rituals. I mean, certainly participated in them, but didn't really reflect about how important they, they really are to all of us in terms of our, our psyches and, and, and our mental health and, and well-being, um, that those things are reassuring. Um, they, they do kind of um, in some ways, depending on the ritual, have a closing. It's the closing, as you said, of a book. You're going on to that next um, part of your journey in your life. And to not have the rituals almost puts it in a weird place of, has it really ended? Uh, I think, you know, we're sitting here looking at the calendar and we see that it has ended uh, by the date. However, it doesn't have the same feel. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, hopefully the new norm, whatever that is, is, is we can get to that point. As you mentioned, um, you know, there's going to be a, um, a virtual celebration in terms of um, commencement. Um, I also understand that there's some efforts to, to look at doing a in-person uh, commencement in the fall, potentially, uh, for those graduates here that did not get a chance to walk um, in May. Um, certainly a lot of time between now and then, but that tells you how important it is, especially to the students who um, have really voiced that this is important to them. It's not just a check the box and I went through commencement, that they want to experience that. And uh, I really hope that uh, there is a way to get there. Um, we're going to transition into talking about uh, the fall and, you know, hopefully some more optimistic news. But I did want to point out the one ritual, really important late May ritual that usually happens that I have seen still happening uh, as I've been uh, taking a lot of runs around campus and enjoying the fact that it's empty. Um, there are still people taking pictures with the signs uh, and in front of the pyramid. So there, there is some piece of normalcy. Uh, we actually went for a family drive on Saturday. And um, one of the things, we, we go to 7-Eleven, we get the kids ice cream, and then we go for a little drive around town. And we, we drove back and forth on Atherton and then around the turnaround, and we were just honking and waving, and our kids were telling everyone congratulations. So that was nice. <laughs> a little community moment. We got to get them where we can find them. The right. sports community actually got some decent news uh, last week from the NCAA talking about the return of voluntary workouts at the beginning of June. Andy, I know you guys have some news that uh, by June 7th, we could see members of the Beach family back on campus and working out voluntarily. That's correct. That's our target date. Um, you know, we certainly have some hoops and obstacles to, to, to jump over. Um, we think we'll be there by the 7th of June. Um, now that that voluntary again, it's voluntary, so it's it's not mandatory. We can't instruct you know a student athlete that hey, you got to come work out. But if they want to, and most student athletes um, they want to participate in, in these types of workouts, they'll have a chance to come uh, to the weight room. 
um, out to the fields. Uh, we'll certainly have to work around. We'll still probably have social distancing involved and probably some, some caps on the number of folks um, that we allow into the weight room at one time. Uh, we'll, we'll work with the Department of Public Health here in the city of Long Beach, make sure that we comply. Certainly, we don't want to put anybody in, in jeopardy or in harm. So it will come with um, you know, some policy and procedures and not just an open floodgates, hey, everybody just you know, run right back into where you were uh, in March. But we're excited. Um, I think we're all thirsting for um, you know, activity. We want to be back together, uh, but we want to do it safely. And that's what we'll really be focused on. Uh, I might roll into the weight room in the pyramid looking like Bartolo Colon, uh, you know, after having been shut out of my gym for a few months here. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exciting. I, I might, I mean, we might need to get a drone and just go, uh, just watch kids playing sports, even in practice. I mean, it just, it, it, at this point, it's been such an unprecedented interruption of more than two months that, uh, boy, that's music to my ears to hear that you guys are hoping for June 7th. Um, so that's some, optimism inspiring news. I think we've sort of transitioned from reporting about things that are closing to reporting on what's it going to look like as things open up and what are realistic versions of that that people can hope for and expect. Um, obviously the CSU system announced that uh, classes are going to be mostly remote for the fall semester again, um, but you have said that you guys are still working hard to return to play and get sports going again um, in the fall. Do, do you have a sense of how likely that is or isn't to happen? Is it at least still a possibility? Where is that process right now? I'm, I remain optimistic and I'll even go further. I'm very optimistic. What I mean by that, the, the type of documents we've been asked to work on from the chancellor's office um, and down through President Conley lead me to believe that um, you know, it's not just us that want to, to get back. Um, it's that I think all of us do. And the real magic is how do we do it safely? So we're working on some documents right now, some policy procedures, um, what we'll call return to training. Um, what does that look like? Again, I just mentioned some controls around the voluntary workouts. Uh, but for example, you know, women's volleyball reports the beginning of August. Um, what does that look like? How are we handling it? Um, you know, into the minutia of, you know, are there temperature checks? Are there pre-screenings? Is there testing? Um, what does that look like? So a lot of moving parts, uh, but I believe, um, you know, we want it to happen. Um, you know, we can't control, <laughs> you know, I talk about the control what you can control, right? Uh, we want it to happen, but again, you know, as, as we were talking earlier, it comes with a caveat of, you know, the virus is the only thing that really controls things. And, and hopefully we're, we're in a better place in, in August um, as those fall sports. We have five fall sports that will report in August. And then the first day of classes, everybody else will be back. Now that instruction, as you just mentioned, uh, is primarily virtual. Um, you know, to give folks an idea um, a little bit behind the, behind the curtain of what, what does that mean, I think there's usually around 10,000 sections um, offered during the fall. So those are all the different classes, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, you name it. Uh, there's probably only going to be somewhere between three to 5% of those courses offered as face-to-face -face instruction. 
and probably mostly around labs or the other courses that you really can't do virtually or, or really don't lend themselves to the virtual world. So again, we're gonna be in the same boat uh, with the virtual instruction, but hopefully we'll be back on campus here. Um, you know, you're gonna be talking with the Baker staff, academic folks, um, and uh, certainly we always wanna have those student athletes uh, nearby, selfishly, one, we, we, we just love them and, and, and want to see them succeed, and two, um, that we'll be able to help them physically. We want them to return to training and return to competition, but, you know, we're going to hopefully have that, that voluntary workouts beginning, but, you know, some of these athletes haven't had a chance to train or the training's been very limited, so, you know, we have to be really thoughtful about not asking and pushing people too hard when they first show up. We, we certainly don't want people getting hurt because we're so anxious to, to return to competition. So um, again, we're working and we've got great partners across the campus and through the city here. And um, you know, I, I can't guarantee anything, but I'm very optimistic. What about the future of sports without fans? I know that's probably a long way off in the line of things that you guys have to decide, but is, is that on the list of things to do, figuring out how and if you can have sports without fans? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, the, the first part is getting teams back, you know, what we just talked about. The second part is as we shift to that concept of, okay, now we're back, what, what does competition look like? What does it look like for those student athletes? And then for the fans, and if we can have fans, um, are there restrictions based upon seating? For example, are we gonna say that um, the pyramid can have, you know, 30% of capacity? You know, so um, is there social distancing, you know, gap seats between fans? Um, what does it look like to walk into the pyramid? Are we going to, you know, have thermal scanners, you know, that, that look at, you know, uh, temperatures, um, things of that nature? Um, you know, obviously, we'll have tons of hand sanitizer stations around the facility, assuming we can get people in. But, you know, all those little things around concessions and, you know, what, what does it look like? Uh, is it masks? Is it gloves? Um, so we've been working with some folks. Um, we actually have a, um, a team physician who is really dialed into this aspect and, and working with ESPN. Um, they, they're, they're trying to figure out how they would broadcast live events. And so they're trying to keep their people safe. So we, we feel we've got a good group of people um, to, to look to for help in doing this. Um, but again, that's a little bit of a moving target. Um, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic about, you know, getting student athletes back here and in training. I don't know how optimistic I am with the fan um, portion of it, just because that really um, adds a lot to um, the ingredients uh, of, of a safe event. Um, safe for the student athletes and for the fans. And certainly my hope is that we have our fans there. We've pushing season ticket sales out. And, and that's what we're going to, to plan for. And between now and that first competition, if we're told that we can't have fans, well, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And, um, but, you know, to even be talking about this right now is exciting comparative to a few weeks ago, where I think a lot of us were, were very cautious or very nervous about, is this going to happen? 
Uh, yeah, that's very exciting to hear for sure. And uh, I just tell everyone, you know, be sure to go subscribe to the 562.org. Uh, I believe we're essential personnel when it comes to events. So even if there's no fans there, we'll have highlight videos and articles and photo galleries. Uh, and obviously you guys are kind of blessed with the Beach Vision setup uh, that's going to let people watch games even if fans can't come in. That's been a conversation we've had with the CIF Southern Section Commissioner about the return to high school sports is he's really hesitant to allow things to go forward with no fans because they don't have that. So it's like, you're going to have a kid play high school football, but his mom and dad can't see him or, you know, how is that going to work? Um, you guys obviously have a really robust media uh, department that's going to allow you to get that stuff out there either way. Um, so here's my question. It feels a little like we're on a nuclear submarine and there's a, a series of keys in front of us, right? And we've got the generals, but they all have to turn the key before we can uh, get, restart the engine or whatever. Um, between you, the Big West, Jane Connolly, the president of the university, um, the health department in Long Beach, the CSU system, the NCAA, like who all needs to say yes? And is, I mean, does it have to be a unanimous thing from the localist people to the most national people that this is happening? Or like, what should, who should everyone be looking at for these decisions, I guess, is my question. Well, you know, one way maybe I'll answer it in this respect, you know, I mentioned we're working on plans right now. So my staff and I, um, who are doing all the real heavy lifting on, on, these, on these planning and operational pieces, uh, we're going to then take that up to President Conley and say, hey, you know, you as a university president have been tasked by the chancellor's office, CSU system, um, to say, how would Long Beach ramp it back up? One, how do we get the student athletes here? And then two, um, if we are going to be able to, to have fans, how are we doing that? So those plans would have to be blessed by, by President Conley. She'd have to say, hey, this looks good to me. Okay. And then at that point, she'll take that up the chain of command to Chancellor White, Tim White, um, who will be the, the final piece of the puzzle. So I made that a little bit simplistic, but but so Those we've already got you on the hook. I need to direct the bribes to the university president and the CSU chancellor. That's what you're saying. Right. And, okay. and so, so, so that's a big piece <laughs> of the puzzle. Now, having said that, that plan would, would then obviously have to be signed off on from the Department of Public Health. So they would have to, if we're saying that we're going to have an event on campus, we're going to have a, a volleyball match, they're going to want to know, you know, how are you keeping it safe? How are you keeping it sanitized? What are, what are those things? So there's a little bit of parallel discussions going on here, but from the practicality side of how do we even just get it ramped up and, and on paper, um, that, that first portion in terms of kind of the flow from athletics up to President Conley and then up to the chancellor's office. And then at the same time, we're gonna be and have already been talking to the uh, Department of Public Health. So they already are aware of what a lot we're working on. We're gonna defer to them probably even before we may get to the steps if I know that the public health department's not going to sign off on something, I'm not going to put that in front of President Conley. So, um, you know, we have a pretty good indicator um, of, you know, what they're willing to probably sign off on and what they wouldn't be. Um, but it, yeah, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. Um, and, you know, the great part is, I, I think you guys know this here in Long Beach, uh, people have really good working relationships. And we've been really, uh, we've found out that you know, there's no real hurdles. Um, what I mean by that is no one's going, oh, well, who cares about athletics? You know, that's not important. 
I think everybody understands that, that sports, the arts, music, concerts, all these things are really important to our community. And they've been willing to listen to us and, and come back with ideas and say, well, have you thought about doing it this way? Maybe you can try it that way. So I think we're going to get to a place now. Is it look exactly what, you know, when we kick the year off in, you know, September of 2019? Probably not. Um, but, you know, at the same point, um, if we're competing in September of 20, I, I, right now I'm doing backflips. Absolutely. That sounds like a ton of work. So no summer vacation for the fees. Huh? <laughs> Not looking like right now, you know, um, and, and that's all right. That's the, I've got you know, two cruise right. tickets for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me know how that goes. But, uh, but yeah, it, it really does because in a typical year, you know, in the summer, which is slower, it's never slow. Um, you know, typically we're, we're planning for, for the fall. Well, now we're planning for fall, but it's almost from scratch. You know, a lot of times we kind of know the rhythm and the cycle and how it goes. But now we're trying to create new ways for that to happen. Um, typically, you know, right now we're, we're, we're canceling games. Uh, we have schools canceling games with us. And it's kind of a little, you know, uh, back and forth. You know, we're, we're trying to reduce our footprint on travel. And so are other schools. So typically we wouldn't have this back and forth. Uh, of, of schools saying, well, can we, you know, not play this year, but we'll return in 22. And um, so there's just, again, it's a, it's a lot of moving parts. It's first world problem. Certainly what I'm having to deal with is nothing that a healthcare provider or a first responder has to deal with. Uh, but nonetheless, it, it takes up a lot of time. And uh, my staff, we, we've never been busier. And as crazy as it sounds, I may have said this before, I would have never believed I would ever say that. Our jobs are busy and, and we sign up for it and we love it, but um, you know, our days are consumed by these Zoom calls and, and then these Zoom calls result in work. So we've got to do work. Uh, so there's not a lot of downtime. Um, and that's one thing I've been really trying to focus with recently. And I, and I jokingly talked about at the top of the show um, when I mentioned kind of that dark Wednesday kind of concept with those Zoom calls on Wednesdays. Um, people need to take care of themselves and this pace that we're working at is, and I think we're all probably doing it. But I don't know how long you can sustain this pace. And what I mean by that is we have to come up for air. We have to, you know, go in your backyard, walk around the neighborhood, do something because you can get trapped very easily into, you know, the work's never going to go away. And, um, you know, again, it, it's for a great cause and that's that student athletes have a great experience and, and that's what we continue to focus on. Uh, well, that's very well said. As we get ready to bring on our special guest from the Bickerstaff Center, I just want to remind everyone about the 562.org. We definitely are not covering sports right now, unfortunately, <laughs> but we do still have a ton of great education coverage, uh, as well as hopefully some stuff to keep you entertained and uh, somewhat distracted podcasts, videos. JJ's been doing 562 Classics, where we're talking through some of the, the best games we've covered over the last 13 years. Uh, as well as all the breaking news that, uh, as Andy said, is looking more and more optimistic by the week about how we're going to get kids and fans and uh, sports writers back to work out here. We now welcome on our special guest. We're trying to pull the uh, four-man weave here. I, I, don't, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm excited for it because pretty much everything with education is new now. So let's do something new. We are now joined by the director of the Bickerstaff Academic Center, Sandra Shirley. Sandra, if you can say hello. Hello there. 
And we're also joined by the director of the Bickerstaff Academic Support Programs, Tamika Spivey. Tamika, hello. Hello. All right, so we've got everybody on. We're talking about how much your experiences has changed through the education differences and learning from home and the graduation and all that stuff. I can imagine right now, after finals are over, you guys are taking a little bit of a sigh of relief that you've kind of survived that part of it and moving on to the next part in summer school? Um, I think I'm taking a sigh of relief that grades <laughs> were better than I expected. <laughs> uh, it was a significant transition going from in class to pretty much fully online. Um, and I think for the most part, our students responded pretty well. I would say my students and the students that I work with and manage across the teams responded pretty well for the circumstances within the country and the university. I would agree. Our students definitely embraced the, the um, online educational aspect. And um, actually, they communicated more with us um, than they would if they were in person um, and asked for more, more assistance and guidance of how to uh, work with um, their faculty members and connect with group members. Did you have challenges? Um, we spent a lot of time covering the LBUSD, right, where they've got 70,000 kids and some of them don't have internet at home. A lot of them didn't have laptops, had to check out laptops from the school. Did you guys run into issues with that kind of like uh, connectivity or was everyone pretty much staying in a place where they had good access to internet and kind of the digital tools like computers or whatever that they, they needed to do the work they were doing? Um, I would probably say connectivity was not an issue, but having the technology. So um, I think as a lot of our students are, they use their phone for a lot. And in the Bickerstaff Center, we have computers where they can utilize throughout the day. And so we did have some students who we needed to adjust. And the university did a great thing where they had Chromebooks that students were able to um, rent from the Division of Student Affairs. So we did have some students that did have to go that route and were able to get it from the university. This is also obviously an emotional time when it comes to graduating and moving on. Are, are you guys feeling that as well, that, that there's been no closure for this year, that that end of year feel is kind of gone? And I'm sure you've been working with some of these student athletes for four plus years. Do you kind of feel like you weren't able to get that last part of the experience with them? Yes, we do very much, <laughs> very much so. We do miss um, celebrating, taking pictures with them, seeing them in their cap and gowns, throwing the famous confetti <laughs> at them as they walk through the procession line. Um, as a way to kind of tribute them, our Aaron Aska, our social media coordinator in our office, came um, shared an idea with us to have the student athletes take pictures of the, them in their cap and gown and send it over to us and um, share it on social media so we could um, ce celebrate them. That's I've nice. A lot of pictures from students taking pictures in their cap and gown. It does. It makes me sad that we're not experiencing that. My, uh, my, my wife teaches at Jordan High School, and they did literally this morning, they did like a, um, they're passing out the graduation materials, right? The, the cap and gowns and stuff. And so it was the first time she'd seen her seniors in you know like two months or something she did she said she was like i just cried the whole time i just it was like <laughs> this is not how you're supposed to close the school year out you know whatsoever and i, I think um you know from my knowledge of the bicker staff and the kids who go through the school 
there's like a, it's sort of like the coaches is like the stern dad and the academic support people are like the kind mom, right? I mean, it's just <laughs> it, it, like so many kids have this really emotional connection to you guys and the help that you've been able to give them. So I, I imagine, have you been getting emotion in return from the students? You know what I mean? Uh, from the student athletes that, that kind of mirrors what you're feeling, I guess? Um, I'll say I did have a student tell me that he missed me and that kind of, that, that, that got you a little, a little bit because <laughs> I, I did, I missed him. We have, I meet with him on a weekly basis and a few weeks ago is going to be our last meeting. And I said, Oh, I'm going to miss you. I'm not going to talk to you for a few weeks. And he's like, I actually am going to miss you too. <laughs> and so that was really sad. And, but it made my heart happy because at least he felt something for me. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, Tamika, you also are responsible for the uh, freshman transitions program and the academic support that comes with that. I'm sure that's been completely different for you this year. I mean, as you wrap up the end of the year, that the end of your freshman year is so important. How do you think that next year is going to go? Like with the summer school and the buildup and everything like that, are you guys going to be limited in what you're doing and, and, and what you're doing to overcome that? Um, so I think that we have great staff in place and we were able to quickly make the transition from in-person tutoring and mentoring to virtual tutoring and mentoring. So all of our students who had a tutor appointment, we took a two week break as the university kind of figured out what they were doing and then we were able to get right back into it um, in a virtual format. And I think from feedback from the students, they enjoyed it. They, obviously it's different from being in person, but they felt that it was useful. Um, and right now, that is the plan to continue on into the fall semester as the campus remains remote. Okay, yeah, Sandra, have you, has your experience been the same? I mean, especially with summer school coming, has this made it easier? Has it made it more difficult to get kids enrolled? Um, actually, it's made it a little bit more easier to get enrolled. They've been able to streamline the process for, for the students and make it very convenient for them to make changes to their schedules and their programs. So that's been really nice. And we're um, gathering a lot of information about how we can um, continue on this process to be more available to the students so they don't have to be in, in person. Same with uh, the advising. The Campus partners across the um, campus have been amazing. They have been more available, I think, in some instances to the students um, on the electronic format than they've been able to be in person with um, everybody waiting and uh, for advising sessions. Yeah, so we transitioned our advising to um, online as well, and our advisors in our office did a great job of utilizing the telecommuting plan of um, servicing our students and on the advising side. Um, I would say that, yeah, like Brotman Hall is a place that could be, like I'd rather be on my computer than in line at Brotman Hall, you know, uh, <laughs> from my experiences when I was a student. Um, JJ mentioned, or, and uh, Sandra, I think you mentioned as well, right, that the fall is going to be uh, remote learning again as well. Do you guys feel like you'll be trying to think of the right way to say this. It, it sort of it obviously caught everyone by surprise midway through the spring semester that this was going to be how things were happening. Do you think that the university and your guys and, and your staff will be able to um, be better prepared, I guess, for the fall semester that you're like, okay, this is what this is going to be. 
we have a little more time to plan it out. You know, hopefully everyone will have the computers and everything ahead of time. Um, is that advanced planning going to give you a little bit of a, a leg up, I guess, for how things go for the next semester? I would say yes. We're taking um, precautions right now in to with our staff and with um, our students to figure out what type of needs um, that they need coming in the door as we enter working with our source our orientation students right now as of next week we'll do registration for incoming students so we're going to get a good tell about after we speak with them about where they're at what type of experience did they have their senior year um, what was successful for them and what um, was a little bit more of a challenge for them so we can make some adjustments um, in our office to be able to serve them virtually and be available virtually online for them is there something let's have some fun here let's ask some fun questions is there something <laughs> that is a pet peeve for you guys when it comes to your job like if you could give a one piece of advice to a student athlete for them what not to do what would you what would you say for them not to do to make sure they don't get on your nerves i would say for them to not skip class <laughs> well that never happens though right <laughs> that's my pet peeve when students don't go to class that's fair has, has that been a problem more often now <laughs> since they're, that they're not on campus i don't know if it's a problem it's just they can do a lot of other things while they're in class now so they might physically be looking at the computer but they're probably playing video games <laughs> so they should go to class and they should be engaged if, if i can if i can give you one, another one to to look out for my my favorite story i've heard from my wife and her friends uh who teach in the school district is that there was a kid whose girlfriend had been logging in for him and then turning the camera off so he's doing whatever he feels like doing. His girlfriend's got, you know, she, oh, he logged in. He was attending class. And so finally, one of the teachers goes, turn your camera on. And he goes, uh, the types, oh, it, it doesn't work, right? And so <laughs> ultimately, I think what she did was she called him and then put him on speakerphone and then turned the microphone on. And it was just like, dude, it's not worth it. Just like you said, just show up, you know? <laughs> has been one of my roles for my Zoom appointments with my students is, the camera needs to be on. Right. <laughs> I want to see you. That's that, that's fair. That that's a fair one. Um, you know, obviously, you guys work with a lot of different types of athletes. Uh, but was there one student athlete this year that kind of stood out? Maybe somebody that you'll never forget, or somebody that did some did something that you weren't expecting. Is there a star of the 2019 2020 school year that you'll never forget? Um. <laughs> I don't know. I think Sandra and I, we work with different populations of students. I think, I think some, I, I won't name names, but I think some students really impressed me with that transition to online. Probably there were students that when we transitioned to online, I was like, oh geez, he's gonna tank or, and they were actually more aware of what was going on in their class than they were when we were on campus. So I would say those are the, those have been my stars that I actually got some specific information and they knew what was going on. How about you, Sandra? Same, I don't think I can single one per person out. <laughs> That's really hard to do. 
the the students are really um, great, and like I said before, they they embrace the online um, ex experience. I'm having a higher GPA, I think, um, mm -hmm. than I've had in the in the past. So, um, and the seniors finish strong. They they um, move forward, and they graduated, and the juniors are coming up, right, ready to start the next year with um, a really good start and get back into it. Some of my favorite teachers growing up always had really good inspirational quotes, right? They're like, oh, above the board and you're struggling, you look at it and you just feel better. Do you guys have a favorite inspirational quote when it comes to academics and, and just staying, staying on the ball? I, I there, need is this. Is there one that you use all the time? Yeah, because we could all use an inspirational quote I was gonna say, yes, right I'm, I've got, hold on, let me get some paper ready. And I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm writing down your best advice right now. I don't know if it's inspirational. I just say, be honest and get it done. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good advice. <laughs> I don't have one off the top of my head. I have a little board in my office that people can write quotes on. They usually write really good ones, but I don't have that with me right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak into your office and I'll text you a picture of the board because <laughs> I need I am I'm like thirty inspirational quotes short of getting through the week. I think right now. <laughs> Um, okay, Sandra, before, before we let you go, I told you we were going to talk a little softball. Uh, you are a Long Beach State Hall of Famer. You went to the College World Series, and I have been slowly but surely working on a staff softball game at Long Beach State. So when we can come up, come, everybody come back to normal, I'm talking coaches, administrators. A Andy already said he's down. He, Andy's ready to play. So, Sandra, if we get this game together – can, will you come back and would you not also be the best softball player on the field? I definitely would not be the best softball player on the field. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would give that to our head coach, Kim <laughs> Zouder. Fair enough. Um, no, I uh, haven't touched a ball in many years. But would you be willing to come back? I barely run around the bases. Not even when I play baseball with my kids. <laughs> we'll, do it, we'll do it for charity. If we do it for charity, you'll come back and play? <laughs> you know, I think you would actually talk me into that. Yes. Yes, we got another one, Mike. probably saying, no way, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never participated in the, the slow pitch um, games that we've had um, with athletics. All right, there's a first time for everything as, yes, we're, as, as we're learning this year. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the show. And uh, just thank you for being there for all these student athletes and everybody who's needed help to get through these tough times. Uh, if they don't appreciate it now, they will certainly appreciate it in the future. Another great interview. We're going to wrap up this show right now with our recommendations for LB Nation, what you guys should be doing, what you could be doing. As we, uh, as we figure out how to gingerly step out of quarantine, um, I'll, I'll start it off. I wrote a column this week, I think I mentioned it earlier, about uh, how we really, we don't, really don't have all the information quite yet. And uh, with recreation stuff coming back, it's easy to step back outside, for example, on the beach or something, and, ju and just feel invincible, right? It, it just feels like normal. I, I would tell everybody, slow down. It's great that we can be back outside. It's great that we can go golfing and be at the park and go for walks on the beach and stuff. But I saw a group of people playing volleyball the other day, and I just thought uh, they might be ruining it for everyone. It's, it's very possible. We just don't know yet. So when you are stepping out there and doing recreational activities, please follow social distancing rules, wearing your masks, stuff like that. Like it, there is a gray area here. It's, it's kind of like a, a give a mouse a cookie situation where you, we're, we're outside and we want it to feel like normal, but step lightly, be careful out there because you being careful is actually taking care of the people around you. 
So do that recreation, but intelligently. Andy, what do you got for a recommendation this week? Mine is uh, a little bit simpler and uh, puzzles. I'm a big, I am a big crossword puzzle guy. Uh, so I'm always doing the crossword puzzle every day, but I'm uh, starting to look at the jigsaw puzzles, the 3D puzzles, uh, all those little things you can do in your backyard, as you still said, we've got a little bit of freedom, but um, you know, I agree. We want to make sure that we're, we're thoughtful about that and, and, and don't go uh, too fast, too, you know, too quickly and um, still coming up with ideas to keep ourselves occupied here in the house. And uh, so if you're not a puzzle person, start it because, you know, who knows, we don't want to be back where we're quarantining for months at a time. But, uh, you know, again, uh, it's those little things and the simple things for me. Well, mine is going to be, we're wrapping up Mental Health Awareness Week here. And so I'm just going to say, uh, I, and I, I, did, I made the same recommendation on the uh, podcast, Jage and I do What Up Long Beach, that's not just about Long Beach State, but about everything else. I'm just going to say this, this is a really difficult time for a lot of people. And uh, if it's difficult for you, um, don't be afraid or ashamed to reach out to someone and ask for help, um, you know, whether that's a therapist or a friend or someone in your family, uh, you know, we've heard from a lot of kids and teachers and everyone else who are really going through it right now. And there's no doubt, I mean, there are people in Long Beach who are really hurting and struggling. And uh, if you're one of them, what JJ and I always say is, if you break your leg, you go see a doctor. If you're struggling with depression or anxiety, talk to a, <laughs> talk to a doctor. Uh, you know, it's, it doesn't need to be any more complicated uh, than that. So that, that would be my recommendation I leave you with is uh, take care of yourself. Um, like Andy has been saying, uh, like JJ and I have been trying to tell everyone as often as we can, this is a tough time uh, and it will end, but make sure that when it ends, you're in a, a position to, you know, be back on your feet and, and you know, enjoying life again. Yeah, gr great point, Mike. If you can't afford to go see someone, you can also visit the CDC website. They actually have a section about coping with stress tied to coronavirus, the pandemic and everything quarantine, how to come out of quarantine, the stuff you're feeling. So CDC website, also very helpful for that stuff. If you can, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll throw one more resource out there as well. Um, the County of Los Angeles paid for, there's an app called Headspace. That's like a mindfulness meditation and wellness app. Uh, and the County of Los Angeles struck a deal with them to where any resident of the County of Los Angeles can have a free, uh, pay, a free paid account with that um, service. So there's guided meditations, um, there's stuff to help you unwind on a walk. There's all kinds of great stuff on there. Um, so definitely go and check that out through the county's website as well. Boy, we had a lot of information in this LB fee show. <laughs> that, that, that's just what we do. That's what we get for waiting every other week. You know, we, it right. just builds up. So make sure you're tuning in every other week to the LB fee show. Uh, thank you to our special guests, Sandra and Tamika for talking about the Bickerstaff academic support and the center going through all of these changes like everybody is and we'll have more information, I'm sure, next time we talk to you. So for producer Roger, for Randy Fee, for me, for Mike, for everybody in Long Beach, stay safe out there, you guys. We'll see you soon. Take care. Boy, really.